Hi, everyone. Welcome to another incredible episode of Brown-Eyed Junicorn. I'm your host, Hannah Brown. Today, it's just me. The Hills has finally ended. What will we do with ourselves? How will we all go on? Um, I wanted to do an episode this week where it was just me and not to be like masturbatory, but I thought like some things have been going on in my life and I'd like to catch you up on them. Next week, I'm going to have a guest. I'm going to have a new episode on the Patreon up next week as well. We're going to be recapping the iconic episode six of Pretty Wild called Vanity Unfair, in which Alexis Nyers makes that iconic phone call to Nancy Joe and freaks the fuck out. So if you're not already a patron on Patreon, go to patreon.com slash brown And for just five doll hairs a month, you get access to all of the bonus content. Um, and I'll really appreciate it. Um, also, if you don't follow me already, follow me at Hannah A. Brown on Twitter and Instagram. I try to keep that stuff spicy for you. It's mostly just me talking about myself and being a little rude. And if you haven't already, please feel free to head on over to iTunes and leave me a rating and a review. If you have any feedback you'd like to give me, ways I can improve the pod, things you're into, things you're not so into, feel free to DM me on Instagram or email me at browneyedunicorn at gmail.com and I will do my best to give y'all what you want. Okay, that's enough of the housekeeping shturf. First thing I want to talk about is I went to Napa a couple weekends ago and I didn't really give you guys a chance. I didn't really have a chance in all the thick of the hills stuff to tell you about that trip a little bit. Um, I don't really do the aspirational thing on Instagram, not because I wouldn't love to, but because I generally can't afford it. So this Napa trip was like stepping into my Nancy Myers fantasy. I never do like the fluffy robe thing or the hotel slipper thing, but let me tell you, I loved every moment. I went with my boyfriend, Jake, who apparently now tunes into this podcast, which is weirdly vulnerable. Like I could have like 2,000 of you guys listening and I'd be like, oh yeah, sure, that's fine. But knowing that Jake is in his car, stuck in traffic on Laurel Canyon on his way to or from work listening to me talk is a little weird. So if you're listening, hi, Jake. Um, so we went to Napa <laughs> and it was amazing. We drove up. We stayed at this bougie ass hotel. We got there around 3.30 on the first day. We stopped for McDonald's on the way. And I just want to tell you, this is some really exciting stuff. We stopped at McDonald's on the way. And I had mentioned on a podcast with Danny Pellegrino some months back that all I wanted was the hot mustard to return to McDonald's. And it had returned to McDonald's as of my birthday. And on my birthday, I ordered a bunch of McDonald's to my apartment as supper. But they forgot my hot mustard sauce. And it was a big problem. So stopping at McDonald's on the way to Napa... We got the hot mustard and it was a dream realized and I turned Jake onto it. So that really just took our relationship to another level because um, he appreciated it the way I did. And then we got there around 3.30. We check into the hotel. We walk into our room and literally like the breeze from the door makes the gauzy linens on the four post bed like wave gently in the breeze. A noisemaker is playing with the sound of birds chirping. There is a bottle of Pinot Noir with our name on it, technically Jake's name on it, but also my name by proxy because I was there. And then we had like a private patio and the robes were ready to go. We immediately like get in the robes, put on the hotel slippies. I turn on the TV. I go to E, one of my favorite networks. The Devil Wears Prada is just beginning. KT Tunstall's Suddenly I See is playing over the credits. And I breathe out this sigh of relief. I'm like, huh. There is 
hotel branded water in the fridge that you don't even have to pay for. I mean, it was a dream come true. So we just start watching Double Wars Prada and drinking and relaxing. And then we get through the, we had dinner reservations at seven. We get through the bottle. We go to the lobby to get another bottle. But guess what? There's a local winery offering a tasting in the lobby. So we do a lobby tasting. We're walking around in our hotel slippers, like outside, around the hotel, whatever. We get another bottle of wine. On the way back to the hotel, I take my hotel slippy with my foot in it, and I go to dip it in the hotel fountain, which in my mind was like a little bit déclassé, as Ramona Singer would say, a little bit trashy. And I Instagram storied it with the caption, white trash. Then some fucking narc reports it to Instagram and takes down my story within Instagram takes down my story within 20 minutes for quote hate speech Hmm. I don't like to get too political on this podcast but y'all probably know which way I lean it's liberal okay I'm a very liberal lady I'm gonna say something first of all when I use the term white trash to refer to myself as a white person I think it's okay second of all my white trash tendencies are something I'm proud of I love a fucking casserole with crispy onion strings on it, okay? I love the fact that I could be in a fancy hotel and I'm still going to stick my slipper in a fountain. I like these things about myself. Have I ever read Countess Luann's book, Class with the Countess? No. Could I afford it? Probably, but no, I'd rather not. White people are fine. So, like, sorry, whoever reported my Instagram story, like, take a joke, live a little and calm the fuck down. So then I just reposted it, crossed out the term white trash and wrote classy with an exclamation. And Instagram was fine with that. And all my followers were fine with that too. I just, my eyes rolled into my head, my stomach dropped into my ass and I was very stressed out by it because hate speech, those are strong words. (sighs) Anyways, we get back to the hotel room. We get ready for dinner. At this point, we're like hammered. We go to this like amazing prefix, like four course dinner, We get this like amazing wine pairing. I hate the word amazing. One time this girl in high school, she studied abroad and I was never rich enough to study abroad. But I remember when everyone studied abroad, they like would come home after and like talk about it like it was some like out of body, like revelatory experience. And I will never know because I never did it. But I remember this one girl blogged about her abroad experience as if it was like unique at all. And she used the word amazing every other word. She was like, the people were amazing and the culture was amazing and the croissant I had for breakfast was amazing. And now here I am talking about Napa as if it was some revelatory abroad experience using the word amazing every other word. So I apologize. But we go to this delightful dinner. Okay, we have an heirloom tomato salad. We have pork chops with like a Dijon glaze. We have like a pudding situation that was some fancier word, but it was basically pudding. We go back to the hotel. We go for a night swim. We hot tub, make some friends with some couples. Then we go back to our room and we're passed out by 10 p.m. Well, the next day it was wine tasting day. This was really fun. Jake planned all of this and I just got to live my Meredith Blake fantasy. And we went on three wine tastings and we went through this like service where this delightful gentleman named John like picked us up at our hotel in like a black car, takes us from winery to winery and just like chills and like tells us about Napa and was super cool. At one point he went on like a beer run for us so that we'd have beer at our hotel room when we were done. Um, Again, white trash. Um, And I proudly say that I love cheap beer. Um, 
So the first winery was like in a cave and that was like the most educational out of the three. It was like we learned about like how the grapes were fermented and then we adjourned to this like little room where we drank like six wines and had like cheese and crackers. It was it was not amazing. It was delightful. I tried to take notes on all the wines and like nerd out about it. And Jake's notes were just I love a cab. He loves a cab. Um, and then we went to a second winery, which was at a winery called Italics, and that was really chill. We, like, had this super beautiful view of the vineyards, and we, like, ate these little, like, lunches that we had pre-ordered. I had, like, a roast beef sandwich with, like, blue cheese on, like, ciabatta with a kale salad and then, like, a big chocolate chip cookie, and it was so nice and quiet, and the view was gorgeous. And then this super chill – oh, and we also got wine with lunch. This dude, David, he was amazing. He was our tour guide. And he was like, hey, guys, what's up? I'm David. Um, Would you like a glass of wine with your lunch? And we were like, fuck yeah. So I had a sensible Chardonnay and Jake had a cab and we drank our wine and ate our lunch. And then he took us in this like old army Jeep on like a tour through the vineyards. And all I could think about was like, which where in Napa was the parent trap shot? And where did Lindsay Lohan run away from Dennis Quaid when he's like, Hal, I'm trying to tell you something. She's like, raise you back to the ranch, Chad. You guys remember that part? He, like, tries to tell her that he's going to marry Meredith, and she's just like, fuck this, and just, like, books it and runs out of the vineyard. I was wondering, like, where was that shot? But anyways, we go on this vineyard tour in this cool-ass Jeep, and then we go back and drink. And then the third winery might have been our favorite. It was called Fontanella. It's owned by this adorable, like, young couple. And literally, like, you drive to this, like, little house, like, off of a little side street, and this lovely woman named Marianne comes out she's 73 years old she's like I used to be a flight attendant but um I'm retired and I work here like every other weekend and my daughters live around here and like do you guys want to just like drink and like eat crackers and cheese and we're like if heck yeah so we hung out with Marianne and there was like a dog and we're listening to Taylor Swift it was like easily the most lax like it felt like you were just like getting drunk at like your cool aunt's house and we were all about it And then after that, we go back to the hotel. We went to dinner at this, like, cozy little Italian place where we had this, like, rabbit ragu. Think of, like, a very elevated but, like, tuna noodle casserole texture. Again, my Midwesternness comes out. It was fucking delicious. We also had, like, a, like, wood fire oven pizza. Do you guys want to hear about any of this? Am I going into too much detail? Probably. Anyway, the next day, we did, like, massages, breakfast, pool, chill, chill, chill. Then we did, like... We poked around in the little shops. We, like, went to some local wine tastings. Then we went to our final dinner at, like, this, like, French bistro. We had, like, beef bourguignon and, like, truffle deviled eggs and all this shit. And I literally started crying over dinner, both because I was drunk, but also because I just, like, didn't want to go back to real life. And I have not cried at the end of a vacation since I was three years old and we were leaving Disney World. Like, I literally distinctly remember going with my family, staying at the Grand Floridian because this was at a particularly successful time in our family's financial life, which definitely ebbed and flowed over the years. But at this point, we were on a high note. We stayed at the Grand Floridian. I was three years old. I had such a magical time at Disney World that when my parents were packing, I was like, what are you talking about? Like, in my mind, we had moved to Disney World. My parents were like, we have to go home. And I remember crying and being like, no, I'll do whatever you want. I don't want to leave. And that's how I felt about Napa. I was like, I'm not ready to go back. But I had to be. And I actually was kind of excited to go back. I was actually very excited to go back because we left Tuesday morning. And Tuesday night was my dear friend, 
the hilarious and handsome podcast host Danny Pellegrino's live show in Los Angeles. And he had invited me to guest host, which was like such an honor, such a big deal. I was so happy that I could be there to support him and talk housewives and meet some of his listeners and therefore some of my listeners because I know a lot of y'all only know about me because of Danny's show, which is incredible. And it was just like such a cool opportunity to be there. So Jake rushes me home from Napa. Well, not rushes. We left at like nine in the morning, but like I was paranoid about like hitting traffic and I didn't want Danny to be nervous about like me being late and blah, 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 blah. So we get there, we get home by like 3.30 and then my sister, my beautiful sister Alex, shout out to Alex, had gifted me with like a Priv gift certificate. So I had someone like come to my house and do my makeup for the show because she like wanted me to feel special, which was so generous and amazing. And then I went to the Troubadour and I listened to my playlist entitled Help Her which is just tracks that pump me up. And it's a lot of like Nicki Minaj, Lady Gaga, ACDC, just like tracks that like pump me up. And I was so nervous, but so excited. And I get there and I'm like there like watching some of the sound check stuff and talking to Danny and we're like eating candy. And it was just like so fucking cool. Tom and Ariana showed up. They were both great. Also, their friend Logan showed up. Love Logan. It was just like so fucking fun. And I was so nervous, but like didn't want Danny to know I was nervous because it wasn't about me. It was about supporting our King Danny. And I ended up going on stage and it was so fucking fun. And everyone was so just like excited to be there. And Danny did an amazing job, obviously. And I was just so happy to be part of such a special night. And so that kind of like made coming back from Napa that like softened the blow of coming back from Napa because that was like an exciting, fun thing to do. And then I went I had like a day off to like do my laundry and like recalibrate a little. And then I went back to waitressing. It's so funny, like the ebb and flow of being like, oh, my God, I'm doing this glamorous vacation. And like, oh, my God, I get to be a part of this like amazing show. And then it was like and now I'm waiting tables again. But you know what? It's important to stay humble. And also anyone who likes waiting tables, I like joke about how like you know I don't want to do it forever and like honestly I don't but I think if it's your passion fuck yeah there is nothing there is no job that should be thought of as like a lesser than job you know what I mean if someone loves doing something follow your bliss follow your passion I don't know why I had to go on that tangent but I feel the need to like if someone's out there and they're like fuck yeah I'm a career server or like a career bartender and these are the things that like this is the life I love then good for you man good for you So those were some exciting things I had going on. I'm also very excited because finally the fucking heat has broken in Los Angeles. And I I hope it doesn't like get hot again because it was like 95 degrees with a humidity of like 85% these last few weeks. And like literally, sorry, I had to belch. When the weather is too extreme, I become an asshole. Like in Chicago, like it would be like freezing well into May. And I would just walk around the city like muttering under my breath like fucking fuck shit, fuck shit, fuck it's fucking cold in this fucking city. And that's how I was in L.A. in this heat. I was just constantly walking around being like, it's too hot. I need to be in a pool. Just like whining, whining, whining. And it reminded me of this old coworker of mine. I'm obsessed with her. I will not name her because I don't know if she wants to be named. We don't really talk anymore. But I loved her. My first serving job in the city was at this family-friendly restaurant Um, with an open rotisserie and we would have to like polish silverware in front of the rotisserie in like 95 degree like Chicago heat and we also like 
serving laws are a little different in Chicago. So like we didn't really get breaks. We would end up like shoving food in our faces like in a mop closet um, during like, you know, a 15 hour double. Like it was really the conditions were really wild. And this coworker of mine would come every day. She always had like a crunchy curly bun like at the tippy top of her head, like almost like a unicorn horn, like on her forehead. And she'd always come in. She'd stomp in and she'd be like, oh, I'm still fucked up from the night before. Oh, God. Or like, oh, dude, dude, I'm so fucking hungover, dude. And she would mop the sweat from her brow with like the heel of her hand. (laughs) And eventually, like we would all get so sweaty, like beads of sweat would collect on like her and my foreheads and like our top lips. And she would always stomp around being like, (laughs) she'd be like, Sorry, guys. She'd be like, it's fucking hot. It's too fucking hot. I'm not making any fucking money. I'm not making any fucking money. She was like a broken record, that girl. She would just redo her crunchy bun and just stomp around going, it's hot. (laughs) And she'd always bitch about how she missed her last job. She'd be like, you know, in my last job, I made so much more fucking money than this fucking place, and it's too hot. And I remember one day I finally was like, how much money are you trying to make, girl? Because, like, we made, like, pretty decent money. And she'd be like, at my last job, I made so much more fucking money. It was a trip. That was a moment in time. The days of that serving job are truly the darkest, but also, like, the most iconic. Like, the shit that I did. Eating a seven-hour-old Brussels sprout salad out of a cupboard (laughs) that was, like, hidden in a cupboard so my manager wouldn't get mad. And then one time I accidentally left it there for days and like it like stung on the place. <laughs> I mean, the shit that we had to put up with. I mean, the fact that I'm making money off of my Patreon now, like you guys have no idea how gracious I am for that because I used to have to eat food out of the mop closet just to get by. And I mean, it's just important to realize like where you've come from, where you've been and where you are now. You know what I mean? So that being said, that that all to say, I'm thrilled that it feels autumnal in the Los Angeles air. It's been like 70 sensible degrees. I would say my ideal temperature is like a 55 to 60 degree. Like I can wear a tight. I can wear a sweater, a jacket for practical reasons or for I'm sorry, for like fashion reasons, not for practical reasons. Like I love a scarf. I, you know, I love a little leather jacket. Anyways, a booty. Um. And so it's been autumnal and I was just realizing I like have come to terms with the fact that despite my birthday being in the summer, I do not like the summer. And I was considering this when I was bored at my serving job. Like, why don't I like the summer? Like, why don't I like it? And I first of all, I always feel hotter in the fall and the winter. I don't like summer clothes like they lend summer fashion lends itself to a very specific body type where like if you're small and you have no boobs You can wear like those little schmati like tank tops with like a bandeau underneath or you can just like throw on a summer dress and it just like lays on you like a bag. But like someone like me who's like, you know, a little a little curvier, I do better in like a high waisted pair of pants and then like a cozy sweater and like a thigh high boot or, you know, like a long sleeve and then like a mini skirt with like tights. Like I just feel sexier in fall and winter wear also there's this like expectation during the summer that like you have to be like living like your best life like your hot girl summer where you're like on a yacht in a bikini like eating you know a fucking uh, burger and a hot dog in a bikini like who would ever want to be photographed eating 
a burger in a bikini. Not me. I mean, I can't speak for everyone, but not me. And it's just always like who's partying the most and who's like drinking the most rosé and like who's having the most fun. And I just feel like the expectations for like living your best life in the summer are way too high. Whereas like the vibe of fall and winter is like a little more chill. I will say it gets a little bit lit during like the holidays where it's like, look at me and my boyfriend under the mistletoe and like, look at me and my dog, like under the tree and whatever. But overall, I would say fall, winter, the expectation to be like your hottest, best partying self is a little bit, the pressure's a little bit lower. So I think that's part of why I like it too. And then there's the obvious things I love about fall, um, pumpkin everything. I don't like a pumpkin spice latte. I find that to be a little bit too sweet, like a little bit aggressive. But my newest Starbucks order is I get a cold brew and then I do like a splash of the pumpkin cream. Just a splash. I do it like once a week as a little treat. And it really scratches that autumnal itch. Also, Trader Joe's has the vanilla pumpkin candles. They're $3.99 a piece. I stocked up on like four of them. I'm burning two right now as we speak. Um, So obviously the pumpkin scented candles are amazing. I also love cinnamon brooms. Like I love a cinnamon broom. I can't buy them because I'm always worried that Lillian will like eat it or something. And I don't want to like poison her. But every time I walk to like walk through Trader Joe's, I like fuck hard with the cinnamon brooms. Also, a, a Halloween treat that is not discussed enough are popcorn balls. I love a popcorn ball. Do you guys remember these? I feel like during elementary school, everyone was super into popcorn balls. And I remember like trick or treating and my friends being like disappointed when they gave out like popcorn balls and not like a proper candy bar. But not me. I ate into that shit like an apple so delicious so messy like the popcorn kernels get stuck all over your fingers and it's just such a god I have such a wistful memory of that but yeah fall everything I love like a roasted butternut squash I love a pumpkin or butternut squash bisque I like cozying up with a scary movie I just watched this amazing scary movie called house of the devil and I listened to it or I watched it because I was listening to Sex Unique podcast and Laura Marie Shane Halls and Carrie O'Donnell were talking about how it's a good movie. And I trust them on like pretty much anything. So I watched it. Guys, if you're into scary movies, watch this movie House of the Devil and then DM me about it. I don't really like I, I used to be such a scary movie buff. And now like I don't bounce back from them very well. Like I had a girlfriend over my friend Leah. She was over and we were like kind of making fun of it and chilling and then after like that night when I was trying to go to sleep I really freaked out but it's like hyper stylized it's from 2009 but it's like filmed to look like it's from the early 80s and it has those like early 80s tropes so if you're like a classic horror film nerd like I kind of am um give it a watch and let me know what you think it was very very spooky um it kind of reminded me of like it follows like it was one of those movies that like sticks with you for days if you haven't seen it follows that's one of my other favorite scary movies it's so spooky and fucked up and weird and like you'll be like scratching your head being like what the fuck did I just watch and then you'll read articles on it and you'll fall down a k-hole if you're a nerd like me and it'll be fun so watch those two movies let me know what you think but yeah I love a Halloween movie I love being spooked so fun pumpkin also I love the color palette of the fall mustard orange burnt orange those all look better on me a burgundy a wine colored sweater looks better on me than like a neon because I can't wear neon unless I have my fake tan on and it's just a lot of work you know so yay for fall welcome fall fuck yeah fall sorry if these rants are just like boring as hell I'm really doing my best here 
I'm also back in therapy and I have a new therapist named Hedia. I haven't been in therapy for two fucking months. And let me tell you, I am feeling the effects. My anxiety is at a 10. I had that itch. It was like, I would imagine it's like when people do dry January and they're like, God, I just want a glass of wine. It was like, God, I just want a fucking therapy session. The issue was I was in this acting intensive in July and then I couldn't like the office wasn't around like Tatiana, my old therapist, didn't have appointment times when I was available. And then the office was closed in August. And so I finally joined again and I got paired with Hedia because she's available when I'm available. And I had my first session with her today. And let me tell you guys, it felt like jumping into a cold pool on a hot summer day. I feel so cleansed just being back in the office. I love my morning commute. My therapy is kind of far away. And it takes me like 45 minutes to get there. I pop on a podcast. I have my cup of coffee in the car. And I just zen out. And then I talk about my feelings. And then I go to the gym right after. And it's just like a self-care ritual that I really missed. And I didn't realize how much I missed it. So I'm thrilled to be back in therapy. Um, and trying to get back on my gym grind. Isn't it interesting? I had someone message me today on Instagram being like, self-care girl. Like my version of self-care today was like eating a pint of Ben & Jerry's and like putting a bunch of dry shampoo in my hair. And I just want to say that self-care means something different for everyone. And I think it can be really annoying when someone's like struggling with like depression or anxiety to just be like, go for a walk. Like sure, exercise can help, but it's not always that easy. And so I just want to encourage you all to do whatever self-care makes sense to you. Watch a spooky movie, go to a coffee shop and read a book. I would encourage people to sometimes do something that checks absolutely nothing off of your list. I think American culture specifically puts a lot of pressure on people to be constantly like working at something. Like if you have a day where you just spend it like chilling on the couch, I think we're often shamed for it because American culture is so about just constantly being busy and having to list all the reasons why you're busy to everyone. It's like a competition almost. And I just think, and I've said this before on this podcast, if like think about European people and why they're like hot well into their 90s. And like it's because they take the time to like take naps and drink casually and eat what they want. And they don't fucking beat themselves up for being a human. And I struggle with this all the time. But I just want to encourage you all to look out for yourselves. Give yourself a break. I just had three days off. And I felt weird because it was my first three days off in a while where I didn't really have anything to do. And I like went for a walk. I watched season three of Vanderpump Rules all day. I bought NYC Prep impulsively on Amazon and watched that too. I kind of just was like a vegetable and drank a bunch of water. And as ashamed as I felt, I had to check myself and be like, I slept all day yesterday. It was like clearly my body just needed me to slow down. And I think sometimes it's easier to do that when someone else tells you to. Like my mom used to always be like, honey, you just need to hunker down today. You just hunker down. And I love that phrase. And so this is me telling you all to hunker down because I think it's easier to do when someone tells you to do it. You know what I mean? Anyways, I'm ranting. I'm ranting. I hope this isn't painful to listen to. Now some pop culture topics that I just want to touch on real quick. First of all, Lala and Fafdi are back at it. They're at it again. Lala and 50 Cent are duking it out on social media. Um, I did some research and this is a very convoluted story. It's almost hard to figure out like what happened first, the chicken or the egg. I guess Lala went on Watch What Happens Live with Kate Bosworth. They both looked stunning, let me just say. And she talked about the Fofty drama and basically said she had receipts to sort of prove her and Rand like on the right, like in the right. And then... 
Fofty kind of clapped back and he's been saying all these really fucked up things on Instagram about like her sobriety and how she does coke and making fun of her and comparing her face to like the Annabelle doll from those like scary Annabelle movies. And I just, I, this all seems, it gets very sticky with money and business deals, but I just, I'm not one for smear campaigning somebody on social media. Like I just, will I be snarky for the sake of a joke? Sure. Will I shade someone but not reveal their identity just to like get a little dig in? Sure. You know, I'm not perfect. No one's perfect. And we can all be a little bit petty sometimes. But the way that 50 Cent is dragging Lala, I think is like completely unnecessary, honestly. And like, I'll give Lala props for clapping back at 50 Cent. I wouldn't have the balls to do that. I don't even have the balls to clap back at Jax Taylor, mainly because I don't want to be blocked. Um, But as, you know, fucked up as the drama is, I'm not going to lie. It's salacious and I'm enjoying watching it unfold. Um, also, as far as 50 Cent's concerned, it's like, I I don't know who Randall is. I don't know if he and Lala are great people. I don't know any of these people personally. I'm a mere spectator in the sport of pop culture, the game of pop culture. But I don't know. Publicly shaming and embarrassing like a father with children, it just like makes me sad. I don't know. I hope all the conflict goes on just a little longer for a little more juiciness because I don't have a lot of shows on right now that I'm interested in and I'm just frankly kind of bored. Um, But then I hope it dies down. Other drama that I kind of hope dies down is um, this Caroline Calloway, Natalie Beach drama. So if you guys haven't read it, um, Natalie Beach was Caroline Calloway's best friend. Caroline Calloway is this like Instagram influencer who got famous, I believe, starting in 2013 for writing these very long, beautifully written Instagram captions about her adventures. And she was a very, like, privileged white girl who, like, went to NYU and then went to Cambridge and traveled the world. And Natalie basically exposed her in the cut and wrote this piece about her saying that Caroline, like, owed her money and kind of fucked her out of a book deal and basically that she had been a huge part of Caroline Calloway's brand. And Caroline knew this article was coming out, so she sort of, like, spiraled on social media posted about it all the time and then like two days after the article came out it was revealed that her dad passed away and she's been just posting 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 all over Instagram all over her Instagram story doing interviews etc now as someone who's lost a parent the timing of this is sick I can't even imagine how she's dealing with like the media firestorm of the article followed by her dad dying I don't even understand like I don't know where I would begin to deal with that um And it's not my job to tell someone how to grieve. However, I think social media can be a very dangerous trap when you're in a dark or sad place because you're basically just trolling for like instant validation. It's like a hit of dopamine every time you get a like or a comment or whatever or someone to validate you. And so I think it can be a little bit dangerous while you're processing like big feelings like that. And as far as Natalie Beach's piece... It sounds like, unfortunately, a very common dynamic in, like, toxic female friendships. And I've certainly been in toxic female friendships like this before where, like, things get weirdly competitive and, you know, one person's jealous of the other. I've definitely been jealous of my friends before and there's been this sort of, like, power struggle. And when, you know, I've been the Natalie where I feel like, oh, I'm the friend who doesn't get attention or I'm the friend who doesn't – whose family doesn't have money or whatever – And so it can be a very toxic dynamic over time. Um, So I appreciate where Natalie's coming from. I also think some of the points in Natalie's article appear like Caroline was having manic episodes. Um, So it seems like neither of them were entirely 
uh, in the right or in the wrong, in my opinion. I do think Caroline could use all the love and support possible right now. And I just think someone who rips up their carpet, like, in the middle of the night because they, like, felt like having hardwood floors, like, that doesn't seem like someone who's completely mentally stable to me. And that's not a judgment at all. I just think there are two sides to every story, and I support them both. And I hope that they both live happy and fulfilled lives. I know that's kind of a boring, like, stance to take, and I should, like, take a side. But I just think it's a very nuanced story, and I think – unfortunately in friendships like that the best thing you can do is just like cut each other out because it's weird you like become friends with someone and you label them like this is my friend and then you realize like oh my god this person doesn't bring out the best in me or like every time I leave plans with them I feel shittier about myself or I'm putting more in than I'm getting out there are all these like power shifts that can happen and dependency issues that can happen and ultimately if you are around someone and you don't feel like you can be your like most authentic self and you can't just like relax and enjoy yourself and be vulnerable and you don't feel like you're getting out what you're putting in I think you just got to be I'm at a point in my life where like you just got to be savage about just quality over quantity which I think in college can get really sticky because who's a good person in college everyone's figuring their shit out no one's fully aware of I mean I certainly wasn't self-aware in college and couldn't explain my feelings then the way I can now but yeah I just think like I would encourage everyone who has a complicated friendship the way that Natalie and Caroline did to just like really reevaluate and decide if it's worth keeping because if you have that much pent-up anger towards someone yes you have to like look inside yourself and figure out where it's coming from and figure out if it's figure out if it's actually about that person and the way they treat you or if it's your own shit like take some ownership but sometimes you just gotta like cut ship and I feel like it's awkward with friendships because it's not like a romantic relationship where you can like sit down with them and be like hey I'm breaking up with you the way you can with like a lover but I think you just kind of like casually text them less and hang out less and I think eventually everyone gets the idea and then if they're like hey what the fuck why did this happen then sure, have a conversation. But I think sitting someone down and being like, listen, here's why we're not friends anymore. I I don't know. Call me crazy, but I just don't think it's fully necessary. I don't know. This is all stuff I'm going to talk about with Hedia, my new therapist and queen. But I'm excited. No, I'm not excited. That's the wrong word. I'm interested to see how this Caroline Natalie stuff continues to unfold. And I wish them both the best. Finally, on a lighter note, I want to close with the Bachelor in Paradise finale. Y'all... Bachelor in Paradise has come to a close. So between that and the hills being done, what will I do? I'll watch Real Housewives of Dallas and Orange County. That's what I'll do. But um, I don't know. The Bachelor in Paradise finale was fine. I'm kind of happy it's all done. Um, First of all, Nicole and Clay. I shit on them pretty much every week. I have such a visceral reaction to how fucking annoying they are. Like, I don't want to be mean, but I'm like, Nicole, are you a dum-dum? Like, were we in the same situations watching the same man do the same things? Because it could not have been more glaringly obvious to me that Clay did not give a fuck about her, was not interested. And she was delusionally like, this is my boyfriend and like everything is great. And like, I can't wait for this night in the fantasy suite. Like, ah. and then Clay was like, well, I just don't know if I'm like into you. And I don't know. I mean, I do love you, but I don't know if I'm there yet. 
And I just, she was like crying. She's like, I'm just so confused. Like mere hours ago, like who's going to spend my life with this person? And now I'm going home. And I was just like, both of you get off of my TV. Like I didn't, I felt nothing. I posted a clip from Blue Valentine this week that I refer to a lot where Michelle Williams is like, I feel nothing. I feel nothing for you. There's nothing left. Again, I know I've used that reference before. But that's particularly how I felt with Nicole and Clay. I'm so happy they're fucking off my TV and I don't care about either of them. Moving right along, Blake and Kaylin. The drama continued. Um, Blake, I guess recently, um, he said on Ali Fedotowski and Rachel, why am I blanking on her last name? Stunning Rachel's podcast, um, said that basically like they're his relationship with Kaylin was like misrepresented and like they did talk from this time to this time but Kaylin was trying to be the next bachelorette and so you know the fact that she's being all dramatic about what happened with him is like kind of bullshit and my thing is just like I get that being on a podcast you're going to be asked those like hard-hitting questions but like Blake is like a fucking dog with a bone with this whole thing and I'm just like bro let it go like it's getting embarrassing it's awkward to watch I don't like Kalen's with Dini babies now and I just don't understand this like need to continue to go out of your way to like smear campaign somebody like I think again there are two sides to every story and I don't know I, I just I don't care enough about them to have a super strong opinion but I was just like Blake no one to say when like none of us care anymore the tides have turned the new bachelor has been revealed you ended up with no one. I don't, Kaylin's living out of a van. Like, all sounds fine to me. I don't really care anymore. Like, shut your goddamn mouth. Then we had John Paul Jones and Tasha. They had a very tearful and dramatic, like, goodbye on the beach. And it was sad, I guess. And then it was revealed at the finale that Tasha talked to her mom and she went after him. She went after JPJ and he was like, what? This is certainly a surprise. <laughs> Didn't expect to see you, like, in my living room. It's very good to see you. And she's like, JPJ, will you be my boyfriend? And he's like, oh, yeah, look at my girlfriend. She's so hot. So basically, Taisha and JPJ decide to date. They give it another shot. And then they go, like, they talk to Chris Harrison on the finale special. And JPJ, like, takes Taisha's hand. And she's like, jump, jump. And he's like, instead of proposing, he's like, Art thou so beautiful? He like does some fucking Shakespeare. Um, you know, a little thing about me. I've said in past episodes that I thought that was sweet that he spoke Shakespeare to Tasha, but that it was my true nightmare. Like a guy performing a song or like a sonnet for me is my nightmare. Um, and if Tasha likes it, great. I don't really like when people casually quote things like in conversation. And I mean, I, that's inaccurate because I'm constantly quoting like Real Housewives and stuff but like when people are like oh I'm just gonna casually drop like an Aristotle quote or like a Shakespeare quote it like kind of annoys me and I know that he was just doing it to be like cute and like funny but like I was brought back to this story this time in my life and stop me if I've told this stop me no one can stop me I'm talking to a microphone fast forward if I've told this story before but a handful of years ago I was in this acting program and it was like one of the first nights there and I had like total imposter syndrome getting into this acting program because like not to toot my own horn but like not a lot of people got in and like everyone there was like a serious actor they were like I've done 15 summer stocks and like I'm from New York and I was like I watch Real Housewives and like Vanderpump Rules and like I don't know how I got in or like why I'm here but I wanted to be there obviously because I love acting so much but I remember like the first night everyone was like talking 
And this kid, who I did not end up getting along with, casually drops like a Shakespeare quote, like in conversation. And I'm like, mm, that's, and I immediately like rolled my eyes because I'm like, that is an inauthentic person. No one just casually is like, wherefore thou Romeo, my writer. And so then like 10 minutes later, I'm like, well, you know, it's just like in the Lizzie McGuire movie when, and I made some like Lizzie McGuire reference because that's my truth. I've been the same person my entire life. And this kid goes, well, I guess that's how this is going to go. Sorry, let me start that over. He goes, well, I guess how that, that you guys, I can't speak. He goes, I guess how, I guess that's how this is going to go. Oh my God, I'm not even drunk. I guess that's how this is going to go. I'm going to quote Shakespeare. Well, you quote Lizzie McGuire. <laughs> and I was like, eat shit and die. I was like, you're not fucking better than me just because you memorized some fucking Othello bullshit and you're just dropping it on a group of people like you're just like some, some intellect. Like, fuck off. Lizzie McGuire's a show for geniuses, okay? Can't wait for the reboot. Anyway, so I was kind of turned off by this JPJ Tasha stuff, but I guess I'm happy they're happy. Whatever. Um, Katie comes out and talks with Chris, Chris Harrison and other Chris that she was engaged to. And it was like, it took a dark turn. And she used the metaphor tank. She was like, I just, my tank is empty and everything in my tank is gone. And you have done nothing to fill my tank. <laughs> An empty tank. And I love a metaphor as much as the next person, okay? However, the tank, this tank stuff was a little heavy-handed, as was the Shakespeare stuff. It was all a little heavy-handed as far as I was concerned. She wasn't wearing her engagement ring, and then she blindsides Chris by not wearing the engagement ring. And then she's like, Chris Harrison's like, you're not wearing your engagement ring. Are you still engaged? And she's like, yes, but, like, I don't know if I'm happy, and, like, I don't know if this is if he's going to be able to give me what I want, and, like, I just don't really know. And then they, like, agreed that things were fine, and then he puts the ring on her finger, and then it cuts to them outside the studio, like, outside the soundstage being, like, like arguing. He's like, you blindsided me. And she's like, I mean, would you expect me to just, like, go on stage and be like, oh, my God, like, I'm so happy. Like, it was the only thing I could do. And I'm just like, holy fuck, this is so dark. And I loved every second. But then I looked, okay, so, like, I don't follow a lot of Bachelor Nation people on Instagram because I don't really care to. But, like, every now and then I'll do, like, a wellness check. And so I looked at both of their Instagrams and they seemed, like, perfectly happy. So, like, I'm interested to see how their relationship unfolds. But I can just say that, like, if I were to be on reality TV with my boyfriend, which, like, never in a million goddamn years could I handle that, and he were to be like, hey, guess what? I'm not happy. Like, on TV in front of America, I'd be like, what the fuck? So I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. As Charlotte says in Sex in the City too. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what the future holds for them. I don't fully care, but I care enough to mention it on this podcast. I don't know. Anyways, finally, last piece of news. Peter the pilot, Pilot Pete, was revealed to be the newest Bachelor. Cool. Um... Someone once posted online that Pilot Pete looks just like Amanda Bynes and she's the man. And not only is it accurate, but that does so much for me. A lot of people are like, Pilot Pete is boring. He's not very exciting. Is he going to be a good bachelor? He gives me Ben Higgins energy. He gives me like very wholesome energy. But here's why he's better than Ben Higgins. Because he fucked in a windmill four times. First, Hannah said twice. Then she revealed it was four times. Also... People are like, oh, my God, Pilot Pete has such a baby face. Like, I don't know if he's hot. But I just have to say, there was a date that Hannah and Pilot Pete went on where they were making out in a sauna. 
Things were tan, sweaty, and slippery. And they were in their swimsuits, just like dry humping in a sauna. And I was into it. Honestly, I was a little aroused. And Bachelor Bachelor Nation usually does nothing for me sexually. But I was turned on. And so I'm excited to see. I want Pete to be kind of a messy bachelor. I want him to fuck girls way before the fantasy suite. I want to see a messy side to him. Because we know that he has that that rawr, that like lion energy in him that just wants to fook. And I love that. I love when Bachelor Nation gets a little bit less sanctimonious and more slutty. That's like the dream. I also love, I've never been able to get his family out of my head singing that German song where they're like, flugen, flogen, flugen, flogen, fräulich, fräulich, fräulich. They did that during hometowns. They like all held hands and like sang a German song. And even though Midsommar took place in Sweden, I think, um, it always reminds me of Midsommar and I can't get their like German like family vibes out of my head. And I'm excited to see more of like Pilot Pete's family. I'm excited for all of it. We have four long months to wait until then. Um, as far as what I'm doing with this podcast, I'm kind of improvising. I'm going to have some guests on. We're going to do some interview style episodes. I'm planning on doing some Halloween episodes. I'm kind of dabbling right now. And then when the time is right, I will recap another show. If there are any shows coming up that you would like to hear me recap, feel free to email me at browneyedunicorn at gmail.com or DM me with your ideas. I'm thinking for the Patreon once I get done with Pretty Wild. I'm either going to do NYC Prep or I'm going to do Princesses Long Island. Um, so I'm planning on doing like one season wonders for the Patreon because they're super fun to do. Um, so if that interests you, again, head to patreon.com slash browneyedunicorn to sign up and become a patron. Um, once again, that's all I have for today, but once again, thank y'all so much for listening, um, and for reaching out with your kind words and kind messages and support new listeners. Welcome. I'm just so thankful for all of you. And again, continue to give me your feedback. I'm super excited. Also, I want to do an advice episode. I was going to do it this week, but I didn't get enough questions. I'm such a loser. It's like I invited a party. I am. I threw a party and nobody came. I invited everyone to a party and nobody came. That's what I'm trying to say. But if you want advice from me on anything, I will keep you anonymous. Email me at browniejunicorn at gmail.com and I will answer your questions. I think it could be fun. Either way, can't wait to see you next week. Thank you for listening. Love you. Thank you. Bye.